Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. First, uh, first passage we're going to look, look at comes from Joshua. And this is um, just before Joshua makes this statement, just before he, he's about to lead the people of God into the promised land, which was going to require a great miracle. Uh, not only did they have to take this uh, walled city, Jericho, but they had to somehow get across the Jordan River at a time when uh, it was uh, at flood stage. The river was flooding its banks. And so Joshua makes this statement, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, God is about to show up very powerfully. He's going to manifest his presence in a miraculous work. Uh, he's going to fulfill some things you've been longing for for a long time. Now consecrate yourselves. And notice he doesn't say, hey, pray to God that he would consecrate you. He says, consecrate yourselves. Now we're going to look at a uh, another passage in the New Testament that's sort of a new covenant example of the same command or challenge. Uh, this is Paul. He's speaking to Timothy, and he's using an illustration of a wealthy person's home and somebody who's got some money. They got the really nice china, and then they've got some other uh, more common utensils. Uh, and he says this: Now in a great house there are not only vessels. This is Second Timothy two. There are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, I'm going to read verse 21 again, but I'm going to read it in the uh, amplified version. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. Paul says, cleanse yourselves, which is really a New Testament equivalent to Joshua's command challenge to consecrate yourselves. And the Amplified here clarifies uh, with this phrase, separate yourself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences. Why? So that you will be useful to God. I want to talk today about consecration for divine acceleration. We're going to talk about what, what do we mean by this word consecration? What does that mean? What does that look like? Second, uh, why do we fast? I'm going to give you three reasons or three, three things that I think God really wants to do in our hearts during this fast. And then we're going to conclude with some practical few things about fasting. Does that sound good? Everybody happy with that? All right. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you've been with us. Lord, would you prepare us, Lord, in this moment for this consecration season, these 10 days of prayer and fasting. Lord, our culture 
desperately needs help. We have given ground to the enemy. There are demonic powers, principalities that have been given free reign in our culture and things seem to have gotten pretty dark. But I thank you, Father, for your great calling upon us as your church. Father, I thank you for the inevitable day when the, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be chief among mountains and the nations will stream to it. Father, we thank you so much that you've promised, you've declared all the kings of the earth will bow down and worship before you. I thank you that the gospel will be preached. Disciples will be made. The nations will be discipled before the return of our King Jesus. And God, I'm asking that, Lord, even as we are beginning to see greater outpouring of your spirit in the earth, Lord, would you prepare us as a people in this season of consecration? And would you prepare us today to really lay hold of everything you want to do in our hearts? Teach us what you mean when you say consecrate yourselves. May we live consecrated lives uh, and speak to us very clearly, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen. When I look back on my life, I can see some very clear seasons of consecration in my life. Uh, times where God was preparing me for something significant in the future or preparing me for a good gift that he wanted to give to me. I would say that the first five years of my Christian life was a big season of consecration of God preparing me to bring my wife to me. I came to Christ at 21, which meant that there were some there were some seasons where I wasn't living a life that was uh, consecrated to God. And so uh, God had to do some things in my heart before he could ever bring me a pure and a godly woman. God had to uh, make me the person that the person I was looking for was looking for. All right, you see what I'm saying? He, he, had, to, he, he had to do some things in me that would attract a beautiful, godly, pure woman into my life. And so that, mean that meant that I had to go through a season of consecration to become the person that the person I was looking for was looking for. And that meant, uh, for me, God said very clearly, I still remember the moment, he, he, uh, he said, I want you to date no one, touch no woman, Pursue only me and wait for me to bring your wife into your life. The season of consecration. The quality of the woman that God wanted to bring into my life was completely dependent on the depth of my consecration. I had to choose to obey to consecrate myself to him, that he would be the most important person in my life, and then I would entrust this other part of my life to him. And just like Joshua's challenge to the people of God, there were some wonders that God wanted to, do, wanted to do in my life, but it required consecration. What did the people of Israel hear when they heard this command to consecrate yourselves? In general terms, uh, the word consecrate just means to be set apart for the worship or the service of God, but more specifically, uh, consecration involves two things. It involves cleansing and it involves dedication. Uh, first, it involves a cleansing from sin and from impurity. There has to be this uh, letting go of things that compete with our heart for uh, its affections. 
God says there can be no other God. God says there can be no other gods before me. He is to be the most important person in our life. And that means that there needs to be a cleansing, things falling away. It's about restoring him to the rightful place that he deserves in our heart. And then second, consecration involves this dedication. There's uh, a dedication to a specific purpose. And so in this season of my life, there was this consecration. There's all these things that need to fall. Uh, how do you think that I'm going to bring a pure woman into your life if you're still um, diving into and giving yourself to these idols of lust? Not possible. And so consecrate yourself. Cleanse yourself. Uh, uh, let, let, get rid of, let, set aside these things so I can bring the blessing into your life that I want to bring. But then there was this, also in that season of consecration, this dedication to a purpose, this sense that there's a, there's a calling, a destiny in my life, something that God is calling me to. And so the result of consecration is that we gain greater freedom in our lives. That's a good thing. Who wants some, some freedom? But then we also receive this sense of purpose. And man, I exist for something beyond what I have been previously giving myself to. And so this is exactly what Paul says to Timothy. Cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable so that you will be set apart and useful. God wants to use you. There's something he wants you to do. Ready for every good work. There are good, there are good works, but you have to be ready for them, he says. In late 2019, um, God spoke to us very clearly about moving our family here to Perth to plant Numa Church. Uh, and... Um, Pastor Raph, Solomon, many of you know, and I took a trip here scouting out the city in December, and then we went back, and a couple weeks later, I was at a New Year's Eve party, and just hanging out with some friends, you know, having a good time, had a drink or two, uh, nothing excessive, just being with friends, and I woke up the next morning, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me very clearly. He said, I want you to consecrate yourself to me for the next 12 months by drinking no alcohol for the next 12 months. He said, I want you to consecrate yourself to me by drinking no alcohol for the next 12 months. And so I heard that. I was like, all right, well, I think I can do that. And that was the same voice that I had just heard God saying, I'm sending you here, so I better obey this voice, right? So I go and I talk to Liv, just for accountability. I said, hey, here's what I sense that God said. And she's like, okay, wow, great. No, no worries. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to have a drink. Now, I was, I'm not a heavy drinker, right? I don't drink a lot. I might have an occasional glass of wine or um, very rarely maybe go to a pub, a pub with a friend or whatever. But he said, I want you to consecrate yourself by drinking no alcohol for 12 months. Now, nothing inherently evil about drinking alcohol. Uh, but of all the times, remember, this was January the 1st, 2020. Of all the times, you wouldn't want to have heard, consecrate yourself to me by drinking no alcohol, is coming into COVID in 2020. Come on. Is anybody feeling me? Particularly when you're living in Melbourne. And we go into a month of lockdown, two months of lockdown, three months of lockdown. 
And I'm like, Lord, of all the years, you could have said, drink no alcohol, surely. How good would have a glass of wine be right now just to escape? But he was saying, no, no, no. There is something that I'm preparing you for. And you know, sometimes consecration is not just letting it go of, of something sinful. Sometimes consecration is letting something, letting go of something good or something permissible um, just because he says so. Just to test. All right, you, you've, you've heard my call to go plant a church. Now, am I truly the Lord of your life? Oh, and by the way, there's going to be some things that are going to, it would have been nice if he said this beforehand, but we go into this season where it really gets tested. Okay, Lord, you said. Why? Because I knew on the other side of consecration, there is some kind of outpouring of power that God wants to bring. And I do not want to rob myself of the outpouring of God's power, the wonders, uh, the way that God wants to use me and my family and all of us on the other side of this consecration. So all good. I can go without some wine for 12 months. All good. No problem. Just because he said so. So God takes us through seasons of consecration to refine us and to prepare us for the power that he wants to release in and through us. And so sometimes that consecration looks like a cleansing and a letting go of sin. Other times it might look like just separating ourselves for a season from good things, but it's to press in to him. Now, one of the primary ways that God asks us to regularly in our lives consecrate ourselves is through seasons of fasting, where we press in more intensely into prayer. When Jesus spoke of fasting, he said, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. Jesus expects fasting to be a regular discipline of our lives. If you are a follower of Jesus and you don't fast, now's the time to start. All right, and we'll give you some options that aren't like going hardcore water only for 10 days, all right? Or going even liquids only for 10 days. But there's an acknowledgement that fasting is a, is a spiritual discipline that God has called all of us to walk out. And so a season of prayer and fasting is a season of consecration where we make room for more of God in our lives and, and a greater outpouring of God's spirit, um, something that we want God to do on the other side. Now, we have our season of consecration at this time of the year for a specific reason, because at the end of May, we go into Pentecost Sunday, where we're expecting Holy Ghost outpouring, new and filling of his power, anointed to be witnesses and, and fulfill who, the calling that God's put on our lives to not just come in here and enjoy the, the river of God's presence, but to let it flow out of our lives, out into the community. But then we go in June into Revival Month. And then that culminates with Revival Conference. And so we're fasting and praying uh, because we, we want God to pour out his spirit, not just upon us, but upon our city and upon our nation. And we want to be more gripped with that passion and that sense of purpose to see an outpouring of God's spirit come. Man, let me tell you something. If we don't have an outpouring of God's spirit in revival in our nation, 
we got some problems, right? Anybody looking around and seeing the same thing I'm seeing and being like, man, we need some Holy Ghost outpouring. And it's easy to look at the culture and think, man, what's the point? We've already retreated so much. We might as well just give up. We've given up so much ground. It's impossible to take ground, uh, take back the ground that we've taken. But man, I look at seasons of revival and outpourings of God's spirit. And like, man, just drunkards cease to exist in cities and communities. Like things can change in a community like that. Mindsets can shift. If we had an outpouring of God's spirit on our high school campuses and our university campuses, things can change in an instant. People can begin to look around and it's just this, this revelation from heaven that comes and this recognition of recognition that, man, the stuff that they're saying about gender is stupid. That's ridiculous. I'm renouncing that. Man, you look at, at every, I mean, I hear what the kids are being taught at school and, and all of their friends, you know, who are all so confused about their sexuality. And you think, where is the hope? But man, an outpouring of God's spirit can change everything just like that. And so that's what we're fasting for. The wonders of outpouring of God's spirit, not just in here, but in our city, in our nation. We desperately desperately need that. Three things that I believe God wants to do in us during this fast. Fasting deepens our humility and makes us more sensitive to the voice of God. Deuteronomy 8, God led them, let them be hungry to teach them that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Physical hunger is a way of humbling ourselves before Almighty God, feeling our weakness, feeling our desperate need for Him, recognizing how frail we are. This is how weak I feel and how pathetic I feel when I go without food. God, I desperately need you. Pour out your spirit. There's a humbling that happens. Last weekend, Steve McCracken on the Saturday, he's preaching about. Uh, the necessity of hearing God's voice. And man, we, when we fast, I don't know about you, but man, this, this, I just get more sensitive to God's voice. It's like all the other things, all the other voices just get quiet. There's something about the hunger and going without food that just, it's like the antenna goes up. It's like this ability to connect with God, to hear him speak, to hear his voice. When I was a, a young believer, I set aside the, one of the first times I ever fasted, and God spoke to me so clearly from the book of, uh, from, from Genesis in the story of Joseph. I had had this prophetic word uh, about you'll be like Joseph, and then I read it, and man, what I read marked me. I heard, I still remember to this moment being there, writing in my journal, the voice of heaven. That was like 25 years ago. The voice of God more sensitive. When we um, moved here, or before we moved here, when God spoke to me about planting Numa Perth, crystal clear, the clearest I've ever heard God say anything in my, in my life. Uh, if you came to our welcome party, you would have heard the story, but that came at the end of three days of fasting. Fasting gives us a sensitivity to the voice of God. If we want to hear the voice of God more clearly, we fast. Second, fasting increases our spiritual hunger and elevates our spiritual power. 
Jesus talks about in Matthew 9 uh, how he, he gets questioned by the Pharisees, why, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus basically says that uh, they're, they don't fast because I'm still here, but there's going to come a time when I leave and they're going to fast because it's going to come out of this longing, this, this desire to be reunited with the groom. And so fasting is a means through which we, we connect with Jesus more deeply. We cultivate a spiritual hunger. When we fast, we start to connect the hungers of, of my physical body with the hungers of my spirit. And we begin to have this confession, Jesus, just like my body is longing for food, my spirit is longing for you. I don't just need you, I want you. I desire you. Fasting elevates our spiritual hunger. But then remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he comes down from the mountain of transfiguration and they ask him, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon? What did Jesus say? He said, some only come out by prayer and fasting. There was a life of prayer and fasting that Jesus lived from going, retreating constantly into these places of solitude and the secret place with the Father. And because he had been there, because he had fasted, because he had prayed, there was a spiritual authority that he walked in. There was a power that flowed out of him from being in that place. Jesus was saying, the reason why, you know, he could have said, oh, that's because I'm the son of God. That's not what he said. I'm the second person of the Trinity. Nope. He said, some come out only by prayer and fasting. In other words, it was an invitation. If you will give yourself to the presence of the Father in the secret place, to the degree that I do, then I will, you will have power flowing out of your life just like I have power flowing out of my life. Man, prayer and fasting stuff just falls off your life. So, so, so spiritual power begins to flow uh, in things just falling off your life, first of all, getting free from things. You're hearing crazy voices in your head like you, you, you don't matter? Go without some food. Seek to be in the presence of the Father. Whatever it is, anxiety, whatever your, whatever your battle is, things just start to fall off. But then there begins to be this spiritual might and power we walk in to help other people get set free as well. Third, fasting renews our commitment to God's purpose and positions us for greater favor and influence. Matthew 6, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you need in your life will be given to you. In fasting, we position ourselves before the Father saying, there is no purpose more important to me than the advance of your kingdom. There is no mission more important to me than the making of disciples. These moments of prayer and fasting, we get our eyes open to what really matters. I can remember once praying with my pastor. I was a relatively new Christian. And I don't know how to describe it other than just, it was just he and I in our church auditorium praying, crying out to God. And man, the presence of God came 
And I had this feeling like, I just want to give my whole life for the gospel. There is nothing more important to me than that. I don't know how to explain it other than just the Holy Spirit brought a revelation upon me that nothing else matters. You know why? Because nothing else matters. We tend to give ourselves to all these other purposes and pursuits in our life, but someday we're going to stand before the Father and we're going to find out how much of what we live for made it through eternity with us uh, and how much of it burned, burned up. And it's in these moments of, of prayer and fasting when our hearts are quickened to what really matters. I'm going to lay down my life for you, Lord Jesus, and for the gospel. And so we come out of seasons of prayer and fasting more equipped to make disciples, more passionate about re reaching the lost, a greater boldness and spiritual authority to preach the gospel to our friends. Who wants some of that? I do. So what will this season of prayer and fasting look like in your life? Maybe we have the worship team come back up. Really love to respond to this word. What does this look like? It's important just to cover a few practical things. It's good to understand that unless you have some kind of medical reason why you don't fat, shouldn't fast, um, or be, if your parents say not to fast, then biblical fasting is not just giving up some kind of luxury in life, like a television or music or Netflix or iPad or computer games. Now, for our kids, fasting, that's what we'll have them do because we don't really want them to go without food, or we'll let you decide if you actually want to do that or not. But um, biblical fasting is feeling physical hunger. And there is a lot of room to work out what that looks like for you. It might just mean I'm going to skip one meal per day and I'm going to be hungry and just pray during that time. It might mean two meals a day. When we've done 21-day fast in, in the past, uh, when I first, the first 21-day fast we ever did, I just did an intermittent fast. I had an eight-hour eating window. There's been other extended fasts where I just would have dinner at night. Let me tell you, that's not an easy fast, all right? To do that for 10 days or 21 days, to have, to have like a one-hour eating window to just have one meal, you'll feel some hunger. It's an effective fast. Um, there have been seasons where I've done liquid-only fasts. I would encourage you, um, if you've never done that before, then it's probably good to maybe start with something uh, on an extended fast that's a little more achievable. All right? One meal a day. That's a solid fast. Feel free. Be free to fast. Or if you want to go to another level, of course, feel free to take it to another level. Um, Martin was talking about the 21-day fast that he did. There are seasons where, uh, and I know, Phil, you guys did a, a water-only fast as well. And the breakthrough that came from that was very significant. Um, I've had nutritionists tell me, uh, you need some supervision for that, for a 21-day water-only fast. But if that's what the Holy Spirit asks you to do for these 10 days, by all means. But I want to encourage you, whatever you sense God is saying, find someone and share with them what you intend to do. 
There's something very helpful in the accountability. There's something very helpful in having a partner that you're fasting with, holding one another accountable, because it's really easy when it gets difficult to remember something differently about what your commitment was. And so it's helpful to have that accountability. But what's most important in this season of prayer and fasting is that we are cultivating a greater humility and a greater longing for the Father. We're consecrating ourselves to him, just removing whatever it is he wants removed. So just where you are right now in your seat, can you just begin to open your heart to the Holy Spirit? Just welcome his presence. He's been here. He's been speaking. Just say, Holy Spirit, what are you decreeing for me in this season of consecration? What does this time of consecration look like? Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to cleanse myself of? What are you asking me to lay down? It's helpful to remember that New Testament consecration is a little different from Old Testament consecration in that we're not coming to the blood of bulls and goats for repeated sacrifices. We are coming to a father who has made us new, who has positionally already cleansed us, who has positionally already consecrated us. He's already made us holy. He's already set us apart. And so our consecration in many ways is coming and just aligning ourselves with the new identity that we have as those who carry his glory, as those who've been made right with him. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.